Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We are super excited because today's episode is sponsored by BarkBox. As most of you guys know, my dog Mackie loves his chew toys, but they do not last very long in our house. And that's why we love our subscription service, BarkBox. BarkBox is a monthly subscription box that offers an array of theme boxes for your pup. Inside your box, you'll find toys, treats, and unleashed joy, thoughtfully designed to satisfy every dog's unique playstyle. BarkBox has several boxes to choose from, depending on your dog's needs, such as the Super Chewer box, which was designed to challenge and engage your pup for longer-lasting play. And that's what we need for Mackie. <laughs> right now, you can get a free extra month of BarkBox, which is up to a $35 value, by using our link www.barkbox.com inhumanpod. So treat your dog to what they love with BarkBox www.barkbox.com slash inhuman pod for a extra free month of BarkBox. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope everybody had a safe and happy New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And I hope that you are just vibing into 2022. I feel like so many people are like, this is just going to be another bad year. But no, let's not put that energy (laughs) out there. You know, no, it's it's not 2022, as in 2020. Also, (laughs) like a lot of people are saying, like, I know. I'm like, stop that. Yeah. No. Bad juju. Let's put out positive energy. And this is also your reminder that you don't have to set New Year's resolutions if you don't want to. Like, it's okay. Go at your own pace. Do Do things that you want to do and just do things that make you happy. I think that should be the vibe for the new year. Yeah. And I think I think uh, every year, especially the last couple of years, we've like walked into the year being like, this is my year and I'm going to do this and that. I think you just like need to have like just normal, realistic yeah. expectations. Like, of course, set goals for yourself if you need to do that. But let's just like, you know, tread lightly and just take it one day at a time. And I agree. No negative thoughts, though. Yes. No negative thoughts. Out. But don't put like pressure on yourself to have like the perfect year right because that's just not ideal but no that being said (laughs) my goal for the podcast is to have 500 reviews by the end of 2022 which i definitely think is attainable i think that so too and a stretch goal for the podcast is to be one of like (laughs) you know maybe the top 20 true crime podcasts on on like apple or spotify you know, that's a stretch that goal, but so cool. I think we could get there. I, hey, I believe in us. That's okay. Hey, as, that is completely okay because 
Uh oh, hold on. Okay. Do I have a screaming kid? Is he screaming because he's crazy or because he's hurt? Okay, I think he's just crazy. All right, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, you were you were talking. <laughs> Andrew's oh. child is distracting us. <laughs> he's just like, Wah! and I was like, oh god, that sounded like a hurt cry. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, but he's okay. Something motherly instincts, like, Bleh. oh yeah. <laughs> um, but he's just like wide open, just okay. wide open yep. since Christmas. Yep. Um, I don't remember. What we I was were talking saying, about but... our stretch goal for our podcast. Oh yeah. It's good to have a stretch goal because even if you get halfway, you're still accomplishing more than you started with. That's very so true. That's very true. We can have a we can have a stretch goal. Yeah. I think we can do it. I think so too. So if you guys want to help us get there, be sure to just keep listening, keep yeah. doing what you're doing, share with your friends. Share. Tell tell people. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your family. I mean, I feel like your husbands. Your husbands. I've your seen wives. That a lot. Your, people are like, I told my husband about your podcast, and he loves it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Hi, husbands. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I know. It, Welcome. It, it makes us so happy when you guys share with your friends. And honestly, that's like how I find out about most podcasts. Like most Same. of the podcasts I listen to are because somebody told me to. So tell your friends to listen to us if you guys like us because it'll it'll help us get out there and you know the more the more people we reach and the more potential you know we're not doing this for money at all but if we yeah. can start to have <laughs> advertisements and stuff like that it just helps us be able to put more time towards this and we want to do that because we yes. are really passionate about sharing these cases and and doing this um but you know we also have to live and have to be able yeah. to to live and so we we really appreciate your guys support so so much yeah our main goal is to get these cases in your ears just like they were put into our ears exactly and the more people that know about it the more people that you know either it gives hope to families who yeah. have gone through tragedy or it gives hope to people who have you know their loved ones still missing yeah. or their cases still open because cases are getting closed and getting solved and, yeah. you know, all the time. So that's just, that's what we're trying to do here. Yep. We're telling, we're telling stories. Yes. But that is our underlying goal because that's what's most important. Yeah. Yeah. So that all being said, today I'm going to be covering a solved case that was actually solved 30 years after it happened. Ooh. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about the 1988 kidnapping and murder of April Marie Tinsley. This name sounds so familiar to me, but I don't remember details. So Crime Junkie did an episode on it um, back before it was solved, actually. And then Ashley Flowers did an episode where she spoke with April's mom again before it was solved. So um, that's probably where you've heard it. But honestly, before that, it wasn't super well known. So it's it's a a really sad one, but it's awesome because, like I said, it was solved after 30 years. So, okay. So this happened in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And that's one of the reasons that I've always been drawn to this case. I went to college in Indiana. Um, Purdue was about three-ish hours south of Fort Wayne, and I have a lot of friends that are from Indiana. One of my best friends, um, I went wedding shopping with her in, or wedding dress shopping with her in Fort Wayne, so, like, I've been there, and when I heard about this, I was like, I need to cover it, and you may have heard about this case because of the really creepy notes that happened, so we'll get, we'll get into that, but 
Okay. Yeah. Let's just dive right in. All right. April Marie Tinsley was born on March 18th, 1980 in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is Robert's birthday, by the way, although he was born 17 years later, but March 18th. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In 1988, she was eight years old and in the second grade at Fairfield Elementary School, and she was described as a happy, joyful young girl. She was just this beautiful little girl, outgoing, playful, happy, you know, Mm -hmm. typical eight-year-old girl. She was a member of the children's choir at her church church in Fort Wayne, which was the Faith United Methodist Church. And she just had a normal life. She had a younger brother living in Fort Wayne, Indiana. April 1st, 1988 was Good Friday, and April Tinsley was playing with her two of her friends in the neighborhood, and they were kind of running back and forth between a few of their houses, and they were on the 300 block of West Suttonfield Street in Fort Wayne. And that day, it was a pretty chilly day. There were rain clouds that started to move in. So around 3 o'clock p.m., April separated from her friends to go to another friend's house to grab her umbrella. And Hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I hate that when you separate for some just normal last reason. And then, and you know, this isn't a (sighs) dangerous area, not a dangerous neighborhood. Everybody knew each other. So it wasn't a big deal. And this was the 80s. So, you know, kids are running around playing and that's just like what they do. So this definitely wasn't out of the ordinary. Right. But when she didn't return, her friends didn't really think much of it because they were close to April's house. They thought maybe she had just gone home or, you know, and they were eight years old. Her mom called her. Yeah, they weren't weren't thinking anything of it. But she was never seen again. Mm. About an hour later, April didn't return home for dinner. So her mom, Janet, began worrying. Um, She then reported her missing after speaking to April's friends and realizing no one knew where she was. And an initial search began of the surrounding area. This search included 250 Fort Wayne police officers and over 50 volunteers. So a lot of people came to start searching for April. And pretty much from the beginning, they were under the operating under the assumption that April had been abducted. You know, they they didn't really believe that she ran away. But then a witness actually reported that sometime between three and four that day, she saw a girl that looked like April being forced into an old beat up blue light blue pickup truck. Oh, so with that sighting and then just knowing April, they were like, okay, she she didn't just run away. She was abducted. And the witness said that this man was a white man in his 30s, and she reported him having light brown hair and a little bit of facial stubble. And this, I've seen some reports that this witness was actually like a younger girl. So being in his 30s might not be fully accurate, but you know, she didn't, it wasn't like a kid and it wasn't like a really old man. Right. So police were able to create a sketch from this witness account But the man and his car were not able to be identified. Mm. And then at 3.30 p.m. on April 4th, three days later, a jogger found April Tinsley's body lying near the bottom of a ditch. Mm. So she was found just west of Spencerville, Indiana, which is about 20 minutes northeast from where she was last seen in Fort Wayne. April's shoes were found nearby And she was clothed, but reportedly her underwear were on inside out. So immediately they believe she could have been assaulted. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Also, after she was found here, a motorist reportedly 
reported seeing a blue pickup truck stopped in the middle of the road early on Sunday, April 3rd, right near where April's body was found. An autopsy was conducted shortly after, and it was determined that April had died 24 to 48 hours before she was found. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. And then it was also discovered that she had died in a different location and had been placed into the ditch just four hours before she was found. Oh my gosh. So that would have been at the earliest 11.30 a.m. on Monday, April 4th, which is like the middle of a workday, broad daylight. What in the world? And I mean, this wasn't the most secluded area, but it also wasn't like a super public area. But to me, that indicates that somebody like knew where they were going and went there purposefully because they knew no one would see them. So April's cause of death was determined to be suffocation, and then it was also determined that she had been sexually assaulted. Mm. Gosh, that makes me so mad. I know. So the next day, two local radio stations set up a reward fund for any information leading to April's killer, and then there were also funds set up by the community for April's family and for her burial. So, you know, tight-knit community. Everybody knows each other, but nobody recognized the sketch of this man. On April 8th, 1988, April Tinsley's memorial was held at her church, and she was buried at the Greenlaw Memorial Park in Fort Wayne. On April 20th, 1988, 25 people came together. I think it was actually over 25 people, but they formed a group called April, which stood for Abduction Prevention, Reconnaissance, and Information League. So this group was or- like created to help organize searches for missing children and help, you know, in investigations for missing children so just a little thing that was created and i think that's really neat like in her honor too because it was like her name yeah exactly so sweet so early on in the investigation the only real lead police had was that blue pickup truck so they were very focused on finding the truck on april 6th they actually explored a possible connection to a nine-year-old girl who had gone missing from columbus ohio on march 31st but that case was never connected okay On April 7th, police were able to release a composite drawing of the man seen by the witness. As I said, the witness described this man as in his 30s and weighing about 150 pounds, and that sketch actually led to a flood of tips. Over 140 people called Crime Stoppers to report one man that resembled the sketch. So tipsters reported that he looked like the sketch and that they also said that this man talked to friends about having knowledge of april's death and some people reported that a blue pickup truck had been seen parked outside of his home several times oh so this man was named everett shull he was 34 years old and he was brought in for questioning after an eight-hour interrogation police actually charged him with a different case an October 1987 molestation of an 11-year-old girl in Fort Wayne. Okay. So he was arrested for that charge, but was not linked to April's case. That's interesting. I wonder how they did that. Yeah, I don't know. I heard some reports that this 11-year-old girl was, like, 
a girlfriend's daughter or something. Oh, so I don't know okay. if that's how they did the connection, but they brought him in for questioning on April's death and right. he was never charged with April's murder at all. He was actually released from jail on May 24th, 1988 after he was acquitted of the 1987 molestation charge. Okay. And at that time, police reported that he had passed two separate polygraph tests in questioning about April, and he was never charged with April's murder. So hair and blood samples were taken from Shoal, along with five others that were questioned in regards to April's death. But in August 1988, officials announced that DNA testing of those samples in comparison to the samples from April's body failed to exclude or include any of the men as suspects. So basically, they came back inconclusive. They they couldn't okay. say that they did it, but they also couldn't say that they didn't Positively do it. identify, yeah. Exactly. And none of those other men have ever been named. Okay. So the investigation kind of started to stall after this, and satanic panic began to set in. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. People started talking about, you know, a potential satanic ritual leading to April's death. And this was kind of what was happening with unsolved crimes in the late 80s and the 90s. Like, yep. this is just what happened. And police said that they looked into it and they were able to rule it out. I don't really think police ever believed that that was the case, but they, you know, to calm the public down. Had to shut people up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so just I just wanted to mention that wow. because... Some people do mention it in relation to this case. Yeah. By October of 1988, it was determined that no DNA of April's murder could be recovered from her body at the time. Like, basically, they were like, the the DNA that we got from her body isn't enough to, like, create a DNA profile. And at that point, the investigation kind of hit a roadblock. It pretty much went cold until May 1990. And then on May 21st, 1990, police found a message written on a barn in St. Joseph Township, which was not far from where April's body was found. The message read, I kill eight-year-old April M. Tisley. So it was misspelled. And then it also said, I kill again. And then on the right next to the message, very lightly, the word ha-ha was written. So I'll post a photo of this on our Instagram so you can see it, but it looks very childlike and messy. It's just really eerie. Yeah, I remember that detail from, Yep, from I guess, Crime Junkie, because that's probably where I heard it. Yeah. The message was actually written with crayons, and they were found near the barn. And police okay. confirmed that they believe the author of this note was April's killer. They never really shared how they linked it, but they said it's 100% the same guy. So some people say maybe they had, like, maybe there was a note left with April's body that they never shared about, and that's how they were able to link it. But whatever way they were able to say, 100%, it's the same guy. Okay. There are also some reports that a young boy saw a man running to this area, or like, you know, coming back to this area multiple times and that each time the writing on the barn would get darker. So the boy was, like, too far away to see any features on the guy and to really describe him, but this led police to believe that maybe this man was somewhat local if he kept coming back, and this also made them think that he maybe wanted to get caught and or was watching for when police would finally find this message. It's just so interesting to me that a grown man would use crayons to write on a barn when there's, like, 
sharpie spray paint like you know more adult quote unquote i guess you could say options very bizarre i don't know yeah so three weeks after this on june 14th 1990 a seven-year-old girl named sarah jean bowker was found dead in fort wayne indiana so police began investigating a possible connection between these two cases because they were very similar yeah same area same too. area they disappeared around the same time of day around 3 3 30 p.m they were both with other people when they disappeared sarah had been with i think her stepsisters and they were both sexually assaulted and suffocated oh my god that's awful yeah so police began looking into this but on august 7th 1991 the fbi's behavioral science unit determined that The cases were similar, but unrelated. However, despite this, the coroner who examined both bodies, Dr. Philip O'Shaughnessy, he publicly stated that he believed it was the same killer. But the FBI continued to say, no, it's not. Okay. In May 1992, a relative of a man named Roy Hensley came to police with suspicion that Hensley might have been involved in Sarah's death. And then in 1995, police officially closed Sarah's case after they determined that Hensley, who had died in 1994, was Sarah's killer. So he was determined to be Sarah's killer. He mm-hmm. reportedly knew both Sarah and April, but the FBI continued to be sure that the cases were not connected. And in just a second, we'll see that it was later, like, 100% confirmed to not be him by DNA. Okay. So, that's pretty much all that happened. And the next 14 years, there was nothing. No movement. Okay. That is until Memorial Day weekend in 2004, when four new notes were found. Okay. Three of these notes were found on girls' bicycles. <gasps> Oh, that's so creepy. I know. And then the other one, I believe, was in, like, a mailbox where of a house where a young girl lived. And this is really gross, so just okay. warning. These notes were placed in plastic bags along with either used condoms or a Polaroid picture of a man's lower body. Okay, I remember this. I remember the condom thing for yep. sure. That's, That's so why I disgusting. said I feel like a lot of people, if they know this, it's because of these notes. These disgusting details, yeah. Yeah. So one of the notes was found Ugh. by seven-year-old Emily Higgs, and she found it on her pink bicycle. Which means he was up in their, like, garage, mm-hmm. their yard, their carport, whatever. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And that's why now that we have the technology, everybody should Ooh. have, like, doorbell cameras. Yes. Just get one. <laughs> Just do it. It's worth yeah. the money. <laughs> so all of these notes started with hi honey i've been watching you ew and then there's some other clips from the notes and it's really like unclear exactly they didn't release all the notes they released a couple pieces of them so it's kind of unclear like which one said what but here's some kind of clips from them okay and again there's like grammatical errors spelling errors so i'm gonna read it as i found it reported Okay. So one line said, I am the same person that kidnapped and raped and kill April Tinsley. 
And so it's not and. That's like A-N. Okay. One line said, you are my next victim. Hmm. Another line said, if you don't report this to police, and if I don't see this in the paper tomorrow or on the local news, I will blow up your house. And then it's also reported that the word, like, ha-ha, like, was on the barn, was also in these notes. Okay. So, there was, there were, like, spelling errors in the notes, and it, again, looked childlike and messy, like the note on the barn. And I'll put some photos of the notes on our Instagram. One of the most interesting errors to me is that April is spelled incorrectly in two different ways. So, one was A-P-R-O-I-L... And then another was A-P-R-A-L, which is just really bizarre to me. Yeah, that sounds like, I mean, at first glance, it sounds like someone just trying to mask, you know, their handwriting or, you know, their intellect or whatever. Yep. Because, like, April's very, I mean, it's a month, you know. Most people know how to spell that. Exactly. So a lot of people speculated about this. And also because on the barn, April was spelled correctly, But then on the barn, her last name was spelled wrong, but in the notes, it was spelled correctly. That's weird. So I listened to Crime Junkies episode on this, and they were talking about a um, disorder, and I forget the name of it, but basically it's where somebody, like, gets confused with spellings, and it is very common to spell the same thing in different ways, incorrectly. So it could, they started to think maybe that this person had that but it was never like confirmed okay and then the bottom of one of the notes that has been released said what we can assume is i will blow up your house because we know that another one said that but what you can see in it is the word house and it says killing everyone but you you will be mine and then that is like double underlined like my that is double underlined no you will be mine you will be mine okay yeah Okay. So some people think that these notes indicate that the person was maybe wanting to get caught, which I kind of agree with, but I also think maybe it was either he wanted to get caught or he wanted the recognition. He was like, nobody has figured out that I've done this. I want recognition. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so sick because like, if you did it, if you're the, well, it's sick either way to falsely, you know, admit to something like that, but to be like, put it in the paper, like, a little girl died, or several little girls died, you know. Yeah, stop. Yeah. So one thing that came with this is that police were able to fully exclude Roy Hensley because in 2004, when these notes came out, he had been dead for 10 years, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. Yeah. And then one other new thing did come from the discovery of these notes. Okay. Police were able to determine that the DNA from the condoms found with the notes matched the DNA profile of April's murder suspect, which had, like, since been able to be enhanced. So, like, over the last 14 years, they were able to enhance the DNA profile more, and they were able to determine that whoever wrote and delivered these notes was the same person who killed April. That's so nasty. And like I said earlier, police were 100% convinced that whoever wrote the note on the barn was the same person that killed April. So that means that this is the same person that has done this over the last 14 plus years. Right. Wow. The notes were found around various areas of Allen County, and they were all found around the same time. It's unclear what order they were found in. And I'll post a map 
on our Instagram and you can kind of see like where everything was found. Okay. But unfortunately, despite all of this new evidence, the suspect was not found and the case kind of began to go cold once again. On June 24th, 2005, over 17 years after April was murdered, her family held a news conference at the Allen County Courthouse to remind people of April's unsolved homicide. They issued a renewed plea for any information that might provide a break in the case. And then in September 2006, police asked for the public's help in identifying the handwriting on the 2004 notes. Okay. But again, nothing really came from that. Mm. In April 2009, April Tinsley's story ran on America's Most Wanted. And around this same time, the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit released their profile of the suspect. So this profile described him as a white male in his 40s or 50s living or working in northwest, or I think it's actually northeast, Fort Wayne, Indiana, with a low to media medium income. They said he was likely a preferential child sex offender, meaning, quote, he has a long-term and persistent sexual desire for children. Disgusting. It is. I just, I I don't, I don't, I never will understand that. Nope. They also shared in the profile that they believe he was still working um, or living in Fort Wayne and that he had strong ties to Allen County. They said, quote, this is likely where he lives, works, and or shops. So they released this profile really trying to encourage Fort Wayne residents to think about people that they had interacted with because they truly believe that he was in the community still. Yeah. In April 2012, America's Most Wanted revisited April Tinsley's case. And around this time, Fort Wayne crime scene tech Chris Meals shared that 513 suspects in the case... Wow. That was how many suspects they had. Wow. That had been narrowed down to 81. And again, this is suspects, not persons right. of interest. Suspects, which These is are just... people that they really think could have done this. Yeah. Yep. So they narrowed it down to 81. And then 12 of those people had refused to give their DNA to be tested. So just mm. interesting. Yeah. Why? Hmm? Why? Yeah. Like, just give your damn DNA if you're innocent. But, yeah, because you're probably not. You probably have ties to all kinds of mm-hmm. child-related sex crimes. Mm-hmm. Also on um, the America's Most Wanted episode, police shared something that they had never released to the public. And just a warning, again, this is really disgusting. But near April's body, they found a plastic Sears bag, and inside of it was a large sex toy. I like Goodbye. even saying that. I'm leaving. You're done. Disgusting. I know. Because, well, Mm -hmm. never mind. I don't even want to go there. So police released this information because it was a unique design. And so they said that it can potentially be, like, recognized by a former or current intimate partner of April's killer. So they shared the information and a photo of it in hopes that somebody would recognize it. Like... They were like, this could potentially be a big the red lead. herring. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody recognizes this, I guess it was something that was like unique and not a typical <laughs> design. And so, yeah, yeah I'm not going to talk about it. Um, okay. In the Crime Junkie episode that I listened to, it was before 
April's murderer was found. So they talked about it because they were trying to get the word out there. And I literally had to skip ahead because I wanted to vomit. Um, it's absolutely disgusting. But police did share this in hopes that somebody would recognize it. Would trigger it. something. Yeah. 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 But again, no new leads. In June 2015, a company called Parabon Nanolabs released a snapshot composite sketch of the suspect based on information from his DNA. So Snapshot by Parabon basically uses DNA analysis and genetic markers to predict physical appearance of a person. So this typically can predict ancestry, eye, hair, and skin color, freckling, and face shape. So police were able to take DNA from April's killer and put out a predicted sketch of the man. And they put out one of what he would look like back in 1988. And then they did an age-progressed version of the man in 2016. Okay. I'll post a photo of this sketch on our Instagram. But he pretty much looked like a quote-unquote normal white man. You know, like especially for that area, there was nothing crazy that stuck out. But they were still hopeful that maybe this would lead somewhere. Unfortunately, no new leads came. Mm -mm. In April 2018, the 30th anniversary of April Tinsley's death passed with still no answers. But that would change very soon. Okay, so we haven't covered the Golden State Killer. Maybe one day we will. But in May 2018, police were able to use genetic DNA testing analysis to arrest Joseph James D'Angelo as the Golden State Killer. So... This was kind of that was kind of like the first major case where genetic DNA was able to be used. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe one day we'll cover it. It's a big one. And he was linked to so much more than what they thought. Yeah. That's a a crazy case. I don't know. It is a crazy case. You can take that one. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know, you guys. Like, tell us on like Instagram or submit a case suggestion about it if you want to hear it. And if we get a lot, then maybe we will. Okay. But either way, after this. Fort Wayne detective Brian Martin decided to kind of look into this type of analysis for April Tinsley's case. So he sent a sample of the suspect's DNA to Parabon Nanolabs. And so they did that DNA phenotyping service. They also did other stuff. And they used a genealogy website called, I don't know if it's GED match or GED match. I don't know. But it's like the letters GED and then match. So they used that website to identify the suspect's relatives. On July 2nd, 2018, a genealogist named Cece Moore narrowed down the list of suspects to two men, two brothers living in Indiana. Okay. One of these men was 59-year-old John D. Miller from Graybill, Indiana. And that's about 30 minutes northeast from like the center of Fort Wayne. But this all kind of happened in northeast Fort Wayne. So not far. This is all, like, coming back to me now. It's all yeah. coming back to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Miller was a former Walmart employee, and his neighbors described him as secluded and often angry. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> it was discovered by police that he was living in a trailer park on lot number four in the Graybill Mobile Home Park, and that was very close to the barn where the confession message was written in 1990. Oh. So investigators were actually able to obtain trash that he had thrown out because once you throw out trash, it's public. Public property. Yep. Yep. And they, in that trash, found used condoms and they were able to collect DNA 
and they determined that it was a match to the profile from April's body. Sicko. Sick, mm-hmm. sick, sick. That that's what they had to go on, too. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I know. But I'm glad they yeah. watched it. Yeah. So on July 15th, 2018, over three decades after April was murdered, police approached John Miller's home. They advised him of his rights and then asked him if he knew why they wanted to talk to him. And he responded with just April Tinsley. What a piece of shit. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Yep. How do you get, how do you be an idiot and get away with murder for 30 years? Yep. Because of the DNA. If they had DNA testing back then, but again, this is gene, like, genealogical dna so if somebody in his family hadn't done that hadn't done a genealogy test he may have never been caught which is incredible which means he was never charged with anything else right he was never linked to any other crime and you know his ass did that shit more than once probably maybe not murder but he definitely was a repeat offender of the other stuff i I believe i believe so too So police brought him in for an interview, and he confessed. He claimed that he had planned to kidnap a child that day in 1988, but that he had not seen April before he took her. He described how he was, quote, trolling down the street when he saw April. And he said that he pulled up a block ahead of her and then waited outside his vehicle for her to walk by. He then basically forced April into his car, took her to his trailer where he assaulted her, and then strangled her with his bare hands. So he claimed that he killed her after he assaulted her because he was afraid of getting caught. So to me, it kind of sounds like he assaulted her and then he was like, oh shit, what did I just do? I don't want to get caught. So then he strangled her, which like, obviously that doesn't make sense at all. But um, that's kind of what it sounded like to me. He said that the next day he dumped April's body in the ditch where she was found. That's so sadistic. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Yeah. John Miller was charged with murder, child molestation, and criminal confinement. And actually, at his initial hearing on July 19th, 2018, he pled not guilty. Which, what? Like, dude, you confessed, and there's DNA, but, like... What? He's obviously <laughs> an idiot. But then, on December 7th, 2018, he changed his plea to guilty. Wow. That was so nice of him. So, so nice. Yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, whatever. I don't even fucking know his name. I don't care. <laughs> John should. Yeah. So he actually just, like, narrowly avoided the death penalty, and he was sentenced to 80 years in prison with no chance of per- of appeal. Yay! Yeah. Never heard that before. <laughs> right? I know. Um, his earliest possible release date is July 15th, 2058, and he would be 99 years old, so... We're all just hoping he doesn't make it to that. No. So when Miller was charged, Janet Tinsley said, quote, right now I'm numb. I can't believe it's finally here. No. So so thankfully, April's murder was finally caught. Um, Her brother, who I believe is like 
I guess at this point he'd be 32 or 34 or something. Yeah. Or, no, at this point he'd be like 34, 35 because he was two at the time. Um, he mm. has just said how, you know, happy they are that her murder was finally caught after all these yeah. years. I think the family really got to the point of not thinking that anybody it was ever going to happen. Yeah. Understandably so, because it had been 30 years, but it just shows you the power of that DNA. It's yep. huge. And, it is. you know, if, if that detective hadn't decided to submit the DNA to the, to Paramon, he may never have been caught. So this type of DNA stuff is huge and you just never know like where what's gonna hit where yeah yeah. and like it could take time but you never know which is why i was saying on thursday and thursday's episode i didn't want to say it because i didn't want to reveal what my case was gonna be but i was saying how like you just never know that years and years later that one happened in 2007 you never know they might have something that one day could be matched so that's why we keep sharing these like cold cases because the more it gets out there maybe people will think to submit all it takes is submitting any dna from a case to want to like parabon you just never know that's so so crazy could you imagine your dna being like i know the thing that solved a 30-year murder case of a child like that would just like and it's like scary to think that it's someone in your family but it could be like a very extended family member that's like barely related to you so yeah so like if you haven't done a genealogy test go do it just go do it because you find out about yourself and yeah you just never know and it's just the more dna that they have in those systems the better yeah and even if it's even if it is someone close to you fuck that person <laughs> yeah they don't deserve anything you don't deserve you don't have you're not obligated to them anyway no shape or form not at all so yeah that is the heartbreaking but you know incredible that it was solved case of april marie tinsley Mm -hmm. um it's just crazy because like i said i listened to the crime junkie episode and they released it right at the 30th anniversary so it was just like a few months before this all came out and then they actually released an episode uh, like quote-unquote episode of when they found out and it was just ashley flowers calling brit to tell her somebody has been arrested and it was like crazy hearing their reactions in real time um so i'm glad that i was able to share this and share that somebody was caught and charged and convicted of april's murder because that's huge yeah, that's like I was saying in my, my episode from Thursday, like, you just never know, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what time. I mean, it might take 30 years, and that's unfortunate, and that's sad, but I think every, I pretty I pretty much think every case is solvable. I think to so, some too. Extent, you yeah. know, like, especially if they have DNA that no one knows about that they're holding on to, so. Yeah, especially if DNA was, I mean, not all DNA was collected, like, properly and stuff like that, or samples might not be um you know they might have been all used up or whatever but yeah you just also never know like what like you just said what detectives have in a case they might have something that they're not releasing and it could lead to an arrest and this is just huge because even over the years april's killer's dna sample was like better developed you know when they first took it they couldn't get anything from it and then even by 2004 they were able to match it to the DNA from the notes, and then that DNA helped, I think. But still, it was still, like, not the best profile. And as the years went on, they were able to develop a better profile. 
and that's where we're sitting now who knows growth is like exponential so who knows where we'll be in another 10 20 30 years like that could be huge in solving cold cases yeah and that's why it's so important like i was saying for us that's why it's so important like i was saying on my episode to share these cases that yeah are solved you know that do have resolution i know that's not everyone's like favorite you know everyone has a thing that they like but you know it does give family hope and even if it is 30 years later i mean yeah because who would have thought 30 years later this murder would be solved literally no no one like yeah Mm -mm. so it's huge and that's why i wanted to to share this case and to get april's name out there because all victims deserve deserve that attention and yeah um you know you just never know and hopefully this will give hope to somebody that a case will one day be solved because it's huge yeah so that's what i got for this one you guys um i hope that you can relish in the the happiness that miller was will be in prison for the rest of his life and uh hopefully fire ants are crawling into his penis and causing him lots of pain and torment yeah, and then he'll go to hell, and I've been watching Lucifer. I don't know. Have you watched Lucifer? <laughs> I haven't. I've heard it's good, though. It's I don't know. It's so I, good. I, like, I can't get in. Well, it's not that I can't get into, like, those, like, mainstream, uh, you know, network-type yeah. yeah. shows, but it's kind of so, hard for me sometimes, because they're not, like, dark and, like, Yeah, that's enough, true. Usually, it's, but. um... It's like, I didn't know this before watching it, but it's like a murder show. It's like a cop show, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like a detective, right? Yeah. He like helps yeah. out the yeah. LAPD, but it's, it's really he's good. I'm devil. like, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to like not like it, but I am like a, obsessed with it. So highly recommend. But either way, okay. hopefully this guy goes to hell and is tormented <laughs> for eternity by Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, so, we're hoping for that. Yeah. As awful as that is, we are hoping for it. Well, he deserves it. After <laughs> he deserves he it. Exactly. So. That's exactly right. So, yeah. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. And I'll post, like, photos of the notes and stuff on our Instagram at inhuman underscore podcast. So, be sure to go check that out. And we will see you on Thursday. Happy 2022, everyone. Until Thursday, keep it human. See you later. Bye.